I'm Heather, a chaos coordinator and mom of three young kids. Chaos and cookies is literally my life, with never-ending dishes, laundry, you name it. Being a mom is a blessing, but it also comes with hard days too. Together, we can find the humor and real solutions to lighten your load and clean up the crumbs. You're listening to the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. I'm so excited to have this guest on. A lot of you have already reached out and have told me how much you are looking forward to this episode. And so I will not uh, waste more time. Uh, Today, I have Jennifer Anderson with Kids Eating Color. And if you have picky eaters and you struggle, this is the episode for you. So before I bring Jennifer on, let me give you a quick background about her. So Jennifer Anderson is a registered dietitian and has a master's of science in public health from John Hopkins School of Public Health. In 2017, she founded Kids Eat in Color, a resource that helps children and families have better nutrition and mental health. Prior to starting Kids Eat in Color, she coordinated youth nutrition programs at a food bank, performed research in inner city food deserts, and consulted for the USDA National Office SNAPT program. Her academic background in public health nutrition, cultural anthropology, and economics. Uh, Welcome, Jennifer Anderson, to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Heather. You have quite the extensive background. (laughs) But I, I mean, we all know, like, credentials are one thing, but like, what really gives you the bona fides is the kids, right? <laughs> sure. Oh, hundred percent. They're very much truth tellers, right? <laughs> right. And so before we get started, I always ask my guests a, it's an icebreaker question. And that is what is your favorite cookie and or cookie memory? Oh my gosh. That's a great question. Okay. So my favorite cookie, oh my gosh, all the memories are just like, you know, coming back in. <laughs> Um, I rush it back in. Yeah, that's so interesting. That's such a great question. I would say my favorite cookie is probably just a good chocolate chip cookie. Oh, wait, you know what? I'm going to change that. I'm going to change that to chocolate chip oatmeal. My mom made these really amazing chocolate chip oatmeal cookies. They were not like um, oatmeal raisin cookies. These are like yummy chocolate. I mean, I love raisin oatmeal cookies, like the best of us, but like, these are a next level chocolate chip with also kind of a little more texture, which is really amazing. So I just like have all these memories of saying, Hey mom, don't give me a present. Just make me a plate of cookies (laughs) for my birthday. (laughs) Hey, she probably was like, that's cheap. I'm good. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. My family didn't have a lot of money. And I was like, you know what? I just want like that yummy goodness was all I needed. And do you know how to make them? Um, you know what? I had the recipe and I haven't even thought of them until this for years. So oh. I could probably make them for your kiddos. Yeah. I had, well, you know what? I'm glad that we had this talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, then we're good. You know, that's the end of the show folks. And end of the we're show. Good. We're good. <laughs> uh, so let's dive in a little bit more about, uh, kids eating color and what that is about and how that came to be uh, for those that are listening Mm -hmm. that don't exactly know what that is. Yeah. So Kids Eating Color is, Kids Eating Color started me standing in my kitchen, having a three-year-old who was falling off the growth chart constantly from the age of like one and just going through the struggle. Like I'm a pediatric dietitian. My kid doesn't seem to appreciate that at all. (laughs) I mean, having these eating problems. And so I'm working so hard and I'm thinking, you know, I cannot be the only parent struggling with feeding my child. I'm making these cute little preschool lunches to engage him in preschool. And so, um, that was in the fall in January, I started kids in color and as a, an Instagram account. And it turns out, nope, I was not the only parent struggling with feeding my child at all. I was not the other only parent looking for non-judgmental feeding, uh, a feeding community. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, years later after that, um, kids eating color is now 
a resource for families. We, you know, it's me, it's our team of pediatric dietitians, occupational therapists, a psychologist, a GI pediatrician, so many things. Like we are a team resource for families if they want nutrition, non-judgmental feeding advice, picky eating advice, picky eating help, we're there. We can help parents with kids from ages zero to really 12, I would say. Right. I mean, my sister is 36 and sorry, sorry, sis. Uh, (laughs) I mean, I'm a year older, so Hey, um, and she still to this day, doesn't really eat vegetables. She just doesn't. It's super strange because we grew up the same and we had the same choices. I'm a big sweets person, but I'm also a big veggie person, but she will not eat. Maybe she'll eat a raw carrot. Maybe. Mm -hmm. And so it's funny. It's not always, you know, parents get dumped on all the time. They're like, well, if you just did X, Y, Z, your kid would eat X, Y, Z. It's not always that easy. It can be very complicated. Picky eating can really be complicated. And like you're saying, there's something different about you and your sister. And it's so, I mean, it's not like your parents fault that one of you eats different than the other, but there could have been some tools that may have helped along the way had they had them. Plus our taste buds change. And we, we like to tell ourselves with kids, like they'll grow out of it. It's fine. But I guess my sister never really grew out of it. No, not so, all kids grow out I, of it. That's a thing. I mean, she, but her kids eat healthy. It's not like she's like, well, I don't eat vegetables. No one else does. Like she just, she doesn't. And she's healthy and she supplements other ways. It's just funny how it sometimes just taste buds just don't change. So mm-hmm. you're a mom, of course. I mean, mm-hmm. I would and, um, your kids are similar age of, as mine, nine and yeah. seven. And did one was one a picky eater and one not, uh, one was the child who has struggled to eat enough and had growth chart issues. And the other one was picky eater. So oh, I okay. won the lottery twice. I won the not easy to feed lottery two times. Wow. So my oldest, who's eight and a half, he is tricky because when he was little, all he would eat when he went on to food was sweet potatoes. So he's actually turning orange mm-hmm. from half a yeah. carotene. And so we take him to the doctor, of course, and we know that it's healthy, but it's like, oh, that's why, but he just wanted that. And then we did chicken and rice and that's all he would eat. And so he's been my pickiest eater and he doesn't like to eat full meals. He's a mm-hmm. snacker. Mm-hmm. He makes good choices when he snacks and he'll tell me, and now he's got braces. So he's very responsible with that but I can't get him to sit and eat unless it's like pizza, which is his mm-hmm. favorite meal, which most kids are love, love pizza and that's fine. Mm-hmm. And he eats healthy foods, but in all day mm-hmm. and I can't get him to just eat a full meal. And then my seven-year-old, she's the best eater. She's been, she was born a month early. She was in the NICU for a month and she killed eating. Like when I would pump and they were like, you should take some of this milk home. I'm like, no, she's going to, that's a two dates. And they're like, no. And they're like, yeah, we need more. I go, yeah, she's an eater. Oh my gosh. She's six pounds, six ounces a month early. Like she is a really great eater. She tries things. She eats pretty much everything. And my youngest is, well, he's five. He's just, he thinks he's Spider-Man. So you never know what you'll get with him. He's yeah. very rough and tumble. Uh, but he's not as picky, I would say, as my oldest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, some kids have challenges that they need to overcome. For example, my picky eater, um, he, like you would come and sit down at my table at my house and you would not know that he was a picky eater. Um, but as a dietitian who has watched him from the beginning and seen every red flag for extreme picky eating and work my butt off, yeah. <laughs> like, okay, we're leaving this. Like everything that I talk about on Instagram, people will say, oh my gosh, you know, how do you know what's right? I'm like, I'm living this thing. You know, there is no parent who, you know, this couldn't happen to. Um, and day in, day out, we are living all the strategies. And I look at him now and I'm like, I see it. I see the picky eating and I know how stressful eating is for him, but I also see him thriving, having an open mind. And I was just thinking about this the other day as I was walking, I was like, you know what, even if my child chooses to have a somewhat limited palate, 
which he may or may not, who knows what he'll decide as he grows up. So young. (laughs) At least he, at least now he understands how to try things and he understands how to have an open mind about food. And if there's only one thing I can, that I want for my kids, it's really to have an open mind about food. They, when you have an open mind, you can learn to like things. When you have an open mind, you can learn to appreciate other people. When you have an open mind, you're not judgmental about other people. And this sort of like thing that they're doing six, eight times a day eating, when we help them understand that they can have an open mind, it can trickle into so many other areas of life. Just the other day, my now nine-year-old was saying, hey, I like this kind of music. And my friend was saying, it's dumb. He's, he's like, I like classical music. Um, and I mean, that's interesting. He likes a lot of different kinds of music. But in this particular conversation, he was advocating for his appreciation for classical music, <laughs> which I mean, it's, a, it's interesting, his, his, uh, what he likes. But his friend was like, well, pop is the only good kind of music. And my son was like, no, that's not the only kind, but it just reminded me of how we talk about food over and over. It's like, don't yuck on somebody else's yum. You just, Oh, Hey, I like that. Just because you like it doesn't mean that somebody else has to. And just because you don't like it doesn't mean that the other person is dumb for liking it, you know? Right. Right. There's so much that we can learn from the food, from food in general, especially when they get older and they start seeing kids with different cultures and they bring in different foods mm-hmm. and they might want to try it or they would be curious and at least are open-minded. So they're not making fun of the person or be like, yeah. that's weird. So you're weird. Cause they right. eat that. And kids are so cruel. Kids and, so, and adults too. Let's, yes. let's not, let's not even it carries on, adults. carries through yeah, it, so much of, um, I had this conversation with somebody else, but so much of racism is kind of, it, it has trickled down into our opinions about people's foods it has been used historically to disenfranchise groups of people like, oh, we're going to make fun of you in comics and in the media for eating fried chicken or eating collard greens or like whatever. And it's used as a system of oppression for other people. And it really, it starts with the kids like, oh, that's gross. Oh, that's unhealthy. Oh, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it might come out of our mouth. Um and we just pass it right onto the kids, you know? Yeah, so I, really models. See, I don't, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that for my kids and the people that they interact with. No. And I was, I'm, I'm very uh, sensitive to the open mindedness. I, I grew up Jewish in Texas. Mm-hmm. So that was fun. Uh, you can only imagine. Yeah. So it was different. Even, even to this day, I, I moved to Florida for, for college. And then I moved back to Texas uh, when my oldest was like 10 months old. And I'm still meeting people that are like, Oh, you're Jewish. You don't look Jewish or, Oh, "Oh, really? I wouldn't have thought, or how is that? Or what is that? And so educating still adults that Mm -hmm. just didn't get exposed to it or didn't ask questions or who knows what. So it goes all over the place. Yeah. So well, that was a, that was a fun conversation. That's kind of took a, took a turn. I like that. So for picky eaters, I know that most moms feel like sometimes you want to be, you have to be a short order cook and you find sometimes that some days you're just going to give in and just like, what do you want to eat? Some will, will use, um, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll admit it. I'm not a perfect mom, but I'll say, if you don't eat it for dinner, it's breakfast. Like I cooked it, you're going to eat it. You like it. You're just being stubborn. You're going to eat it for breakfast. And it's like, well, you're going to have chicken and rice for breakfast while the others have whatever. And so sometimes I'll set a timer and say in 10 minutes, we're done. The plate comes up and you'll just have to wait till the morning. So there's different tactics and things. And I know that we don't want to pressure if it really is a problem. So how can you just figure out whether it's really pickiness and maybe it's a texture thing versus just stubbornness? Sure. This is a great question. I think it's so tricky. Um, we actually have a, a, a free screener test for picky eating that parents I can took take it. to kind of, <laughs> Oh, did you, did you like it? <laughs> it said my kid was picky. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like I knew that. Um, I think a lot of parents know that, but they don't, they don't really know. Like, is it, is it super picky 
and potentially problematic or is it like picky? The interesting thing is there's no agreed upon definition of picky. So some people think of it as like a character flaw. Some people are like, oh my gosh, that's like a, a you know, a diagnosis. Um, so we just like to help parents know what's typical and what's not. So if you take, if you take the screener, you can kind of say, okay, this is not typical behavior. And if, if you wanted to intervene, you may have some more tools or this is typical behavior. And what you probably need is more of like environmental strategies, like the tactics you're talking about. Like, how do I just kind of reduce my stress? Um, because whatever your child is eating, it can be stressful if it's not what you want to be happening. Um, so and it's that's a trickle down effect if you have more than one kid. So you got yeah. one oh going gosh. and then the other two are just like, oh, me too. Yeah. It could yeah. also have the reverse effect. Like I like it. I like it. Oh yeah. I'm going to try it. So yeah. it goes both yeah. ways. And I, I think, I think the key for me is like, yeah, some kids can be stubborn and, and I definitely have two strong kids who we're going to do amazing things in life. <laughs> I, I always say raising CEOs and strong willed kids is a chore. It's, it's very a chore. It is a chore. It is a chore, but I just try to think about like how amazing they're going to be as adults. Right. Right. Gets you through. <laughs> Cause Whatever. I was also a very stubborn child. So, um, I'm like, and I'm, I'm a great person now. So I appreciate my parents putting up with that. But I think when it comes to the table, if we can kind of use their, um, their kind of like gut reaction, like one of my kids, he knows what he wants. And it is amazing to watch. Like he knows what he wants at that table. He knows what he wants out of life. (laughs) And I'm envious. I'm like, I want that. I want that skill, but we can kind of use that and just say like, look, I know what you want and I'm in charge here, but I'm not going to make you do anything else. Right. So like, you don't have to eat dinner. That's fine. You know, you want something else. That's totally fine. You can want that as much as you want. I'm in charge. That's not for dinner. I'm going to hold my ground because I'm the mom I'm in charge. <laughs> right. I mean, ideally. <laughs> I mean, we, we like to think so. <laughs> we like to think so. And, um, you're more than welcome to wait for the next eating opportunity. That is fine. And I am fine with giving kids that choice. It is much different than quote, sending a child to bed hungry. Cause people are always like, do I just send them to bed hungry? No, you don't send your child to bed hungry, no, but you, not. I think you do. It is perfectly. It's a great tool for them to just be like, look, you're in charge of your body. You want to eat fine. You don't, you don't want to eat also fine, but also I'm in charge and I'm not going to like, uh, make you in charge of the menu or when we eat or how we eat. Like that's not your area. Mm -hmm. Um, you're five or you're seven or you're two. (laughs) You actually don't have enough experience to put this all together logistically. So no, you don't have to eat you can wait until the next eating opportunity. Um, and I think that when you can find that balance of I'm in charge, but also I'm not in charge of everything. I'm not in charge of knowing whether my child is hungry or full. I'm in charge of like, I mean, I can watch for the signs and I can plan those schedule and, or the routine and all that. But like my child is really the only person who could possibly know if they have the sensation of hunger or fullness. And I really want to nurture that because that's a lifelong skill that will help them eat what they need to eat. Um, recognize they the, get older, the signals if they're full you know? or right. Right. So I'm kind of in charge of like, Hey, let's make sure we have the healthy choices in the house that I want to, or the foods that are part of my food culture or what I want to serve to my family. Um, but also I want to nurture your ability to know what you want. Um, I want to, I want to, help you understand when you're hungry, when you're full, because these are skills that are just going to carry on a lifetime and they can help with picky eating as well. And this is something that we talk about in our, um, picky eating course community is like you, you have to find a way to reduce your stress within your home. And that's usually not by putting your child in charge of eating. No, like you have three kids. I imagine that you want to do other things in your life other than say, okay, and what do you want for breakfast? And what do you want for breakfast? Oh, you don't want pancakes. Okay. I'll get up and make you a waffle. Like that's too, that is ridiculous. It's a lot. lot. (laughs) And some days it's it's like, yeah, I've given sometimes for the most part, it's, they're almost the point where it's ready to like, nope, that's what what it is. Even my picky eater, even my CEO child, which we've also called him that. I love that. Um, even that, like he doesn't push back because he knows. He, he just knows like, 
I don't get up and make him something else. And he's free to like, because you set those boundaries and they understand he can cry. He can fall off his chair. It's fine. And I'm going to give him that space and I'm going to keep him safe. Hey, I still, I still love you, but, um, but also I'm not going to get up and make you a waffle. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I'll be like, if you really want one, go make one yourself. Yeah. So we have to find our sanity and, and set the boundaries that we want to serve. Otherwise we make ourselves crazy. And the sooner we start this, the easier it is to kind of maintain it. I mean, and I say easier, not that parenting is easy, right? But when we kind of start the precedent early, it's a little easier to carry it on, but you can start anytime. So what happens when the child says, well, I'm going to wait for my next eating opportunity, but it's dinner time. How would one handle that? Do you, and then they, of course, what will happen, right? Dinner's over. They made their choice. All of a sudden they're hungry right before bed. And you're like, well, it's bedtime, but then you're like, you didn't eat. So how do you handle that? Yeah. I think that's always a gray area. Um, what I find is most, most kids pick up really quickly that, um, Hey, (laughs) it's, I'm just going to eat dinner Uh, in our house because we have the kid who struggles to eat enough and falling off the growth chart. We have a bedtime snack. So that's just part of our family. That's part of our routine. It is part of life. So in our family, they know if they don't eat dinner, they can have a snack. Snack is not always exciting. Well, yeah, I was going to say ice cream. What what are your, yeah, your options? Sometimes it's ice cream. Um, sometimes it's vegetables and hummus. Sometimes it's fruit. Sometimes it's, um, when they were younger, especially, I would just kind of think about what did they miss during the day? Mm -hmm. I'll start for a bedtime snack. Um, if you choose to do a bedtime snack, I would not make it more exciting than dinner for the most part. Right. Right. Cause then <laughs> they're going to want like, that. Or you don't want to put them in charge of the bedtime snack because then you get into the situation where they're like, oh, I can skip dinner. And I know mm-hmm. I can ask for goldfish crackers and then I could just eat goldfish crackers. Right. So you have to just know that if you're going to offer a bedtime snack, this is, this is what you're going to be set up with. So you want to have a plan ahead of time. Like, okay. Apples and peanut butter is the standard bedtime snack. And the kid knows like, I'm going to eat this or I'm going to eat my apples and peanut butter. Um, so do you plan your meals out for your family? And so do they know what's coming? I mean, your kids are the age of my two, pretty much the mm-hmm. two older ones of mine. And so they can read and they can understand they have, um, a, a more of a concept of time. Mm-hmm. So how do you go about that during the week? Yeah. So we usually plan our meals. Um, it, otherwise it's just too much for me to, <laughs> Think Do you about. cook I, or your husband? I, I mean, I've been the primary food maker just logistically. Um, that's what made sense in my family. I'm also the dietitian, So it's sure. kind of like, <laughs> that's my area of expertise theoretically, although I really just like cooking, but, um, yeah, so just logistically, I've always gotten off work early so then I could make dinner for the kids and, and he is more of a night person. So, you know, it's just, that's how it worked sure. for our family. But, um, I will say this, we, um, when I was starting kids eating color as a livelihood and I was getting ready to quit my full-time job, I realized that my son was also going to school and I would need to pack, um, two snacks and a lunch every yeah. day. Oh yeah. And and I was trying and I was working and I was trying to like quit my job. And, and I was like, I'm not going to survive this. It's like, this is too much. And I, I wrote a meal plan for myself. And as I was writing it, I thought, I wonder if anybody else would like this. And I just kind of threw it up on Instagram. I was like, Hey, would this interest you what I'm doing here? People were like, yes. And, and so I wrote this meal plan called real easy weekdays. And, um, and that's what enabled me to to actually quit my job at the end of the day was offering this meal plan to my community. And I think sometimes people are like, oh, you just wrote this like as your job. Like, no, I, I wrote it. I use it. We still use it. It's been three, three, three and a half years. And that's what we use. That's what we use. Like somebody else, like I can send a muffin recipe to my mom and say, Hey, can you send me muffins? (laughs) Oh. I can also like during COVID at the beginning of COVID, I just lost it. I was like, Oh, I lost parent. my mind. Um, and I'm like breaking down in the kitchen. My husband's like, okay. And he pulls out really easy. Weekdays. He didn't even tell me he pulls out really easy weekdays for the first time ever since we had had kids. He sat down, he planned the menu. He wrote a shopping list. He went to the grocery store and he made dinner. And I was like, 
I am rock star. <laughs> it's like one of those Instagram reels where you're like, whoa, hey. Well, like, oh my gosh, I created the product I always wanted. Um, okay. And but yeah, he just showed you that he's capable too. And at he, the same yeah, time. absolutely. <laughs> and he's, he'd always wanted to cook more and all that. And that just opened up the, the thing, but it's like having that plan for us enabled us to survive. Like, um, like flying by the seat of our pants, cooking is just, it's so hard. You have um, to plan and you have to do something easy, easy. And that's, and that's a whole nother situation. So with your picky eater, was it more like, like for me personally, I'm like I said, I'm 37. I can't stand watermelon. Like I don't like it. <laughs> I like watermelon flavored things. Yeah. I don't like watermelon. I mm-hmm. don't like it. And so I, and people look at me, of course they look at me, like I've got six heads and like, Oh, you don't like watermelon. I'm like, no, I don't like I don't judge you. It's, it's a typical American food that people love in the summer, but I don't like it. It just doesn't, it's not, I don't care for it. So your child, was it more texture or was it just, I think it was a lot of, it's a lot of things for him. Um, but yeah, it could be texture. It can be kind of what I like to kind of think of it as like, what is going on inside their body? You Mm -hmm. don't know as a, um, you know, some kids have like very strong feelings of disgust and suspicion or fear around food. Um, and I like to tell people like, and they're like, what, just get over it. Just eat the food, eat your broccoli, eat your watermelon, whatever it is. <laughs> um, then I'm like, okay, just imagine somebody put a bunch of slugs on a piece of paper on a piece of toast. I was like, Hey, here's your, here's your sandwich. Just think about that for a second, how you would feel in that situation, the kind of visceral disgust that you would feel when we have children who are extremely picky, that is their experience of food. Like they may have this like really intense experience, but they don't have the vocabulary to explain. They don't know about slug sandwiches. Um, and the watermelon is like, yeah. And so they're crying, they're whining, they're stalling. They're, they're saying, I just want this. They're being stubborn. They're all these things, right. They're doing all these things because that is how they're just that's how they're dealing with life mm-hmm. right now. And so if you have an extreme picky eater, they have more challenges on the inside than other kids do. Doesn't mean really you're a bad parent. Doesn't mean you're a bad parent. Doesn't mean you have a bad kid. Everybody, good parent, good kid, the whole thing. They just have more going on inside of them that you can't see and that they have no way of communicating. Um, they eat with their eyes as well. We all do. Yeah. We all eat with our eyes, which yeah. is probably why you labeled it kids eat in color mm-hmm. because I have a health and wellness background. I went to school for exercise science and sports studies. So I know like the more colorful your plate, the more nutrient nutrition and nutrients Mm -hmm. that are probably on there, unless it's like different color ice creams. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, for the most part, the more color, it's more appealing. Kids love rainbows. That's why, you know, I love the home edit. Yeah. Love them because they always put it all in rainbows. And so, I mean, who doesn't love a rainbow? I, I mean, if you go on my feed, you'll see, I know if you go on your site and you go on your feed, um, if you watch your video on your, everyone in your promo is in purple, oh, yeah. all of the colors. So <laughs> that's true. Great. Our new mini courses, right? We did. We put everyone love in it. color. I think it's great because we all look, everything's visual, right? Instagram mm-hmm. used to be very visual. Now it's more, you know, entertainment, but, uh, right if it's more colorful and pretty, you, you stop. Right. So is that what you try to do or recommend is adding as much color to your menu as much as you can? Yeah, I think so. Um, especially from a nutrition perspective. Um, but I always like to remind parents that yes, add the color, add it as often as you can add the fruits, add the veggies, um, purple potatoes. I like yeah. to do that for my daughter. It's her yeah. favorite color. Yeah. But it freaked my eldest one out. Like, why right. is my, like, why are my potatoes purple? I'm like, they that, taste the same. It's purple mom. It's weird. And Eliana's like, this is yeah. great. That happened to my piggy or two. He was like, uh, uh-uh, uh, uh-uh. uh, that's <laughs> not okay for me. <laughs> um, same with purple potato chips, not as a no go for him. Oh no. Um, but yeah, I think adding as much color as you can and as your budget allows and as is available to you is great adding in even things like easy frozen veggies. Um, that can be an easy way. 
But if you're also in a phase of life where you're like, I cannot, that's okay too. Um, just because you kind of are like, Hey, I, somebody said I should eat in color and every plate should be in color. Um, I'm failing because I cannot do that right now. All brown foods, right. (laughs) It's all brown foods. And that is what is working for my family. And I can't do anything else. That's okay. It's okay to be in that position and your child is going to be okay. And you're going to be okay. Right. Like the dino nuggets, like some days you just give them the dino nuggets and that's that. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Not even find any judgment from me or any of my team for that. Heck no. As I try to pick a healthier version, you know, uh, you do what you can, but, and we're, we're parents, we're busy. Lots of life happens running businesses. Mm -hmm. And so at least they're getting something on the plate, right? At least they're not going hungry. And yeah. And we tend to kind of think about it like, um, oh, well, I, I could have done better. It's, it's good enough. It's, um, I, I did my best, but like every time we say these things, we're like, oh, but it wasn't really good. It wasn't actually good. We don't believe that it's good. Um, and as a professional, as a nutrition professional, as a public health professional, as a mom, I truly believe that when you are making decisions as a parent, you're thinking, okay, I have my job. I have my, you know, various relationships in my life, my kids, or maybe a partner or a relative or like these, I have uh, various family, social situation, all these things, right. I'm managing it all. And my, I have various goals at different times. So maybe my goal right now is a health goal because one of my kids is struggling with something and they're, they're eating five foods. And that is a huge problem for my child and for me and everything. And that's my priority. And so food is my priority and I'm going to work on picky eating. I'm going to take the course and I'm going to do the things. I'm going to serve the meals. Um, but maybe you lose your job and, or you have a death in the family. And then you're like, whoa, food is not my priority right now. In fact, serving everybody, something that is easy, that is cheap, that, um, gets the job done. That is my goal so that I can uh, prioritize my emotional needs and my children's emotional needs so that I can find a job so that I can do what needs to be done. So, um, at any given time, you're juggling all those things and you're deciding what is best for your family at any time. And I don't think anybody should ever let a best practice or a public health recommendation ever kind of like make them think that they're not doing what's best for their family. There may come a time where you're like, Hey, I want to change my priorities. I do want to eat more colors and that's great. Um, and they're, there's probably going to be some health benefits associated with that. But just because you decide not to prioritize that at other times, it doesn't mean you're doing a bad job. Um, it just means that you're doing what's best for your family. And I'm glad that you mentioned the amount of foods and the number. So when I took the, the quiz, I, I got caught off guard with that question. Like how many, like what's the number of foods? I'm like, oh gosh. I don't know. Like I have to, and it gave you, you know, explanations and examples. And so how many foods I guess is age appropriate or is, or is there one? Um, as long as they're kind of like into their toddlerhood and kind of like have exposures to so about what three, four, <laughs> it could be Two. all depends on your kid. I'm kind depends. of thinking like, okay, let's say you kind of have your baby eating. I like to kind of push baby seed as quickly as possible for a whole bunch of different reasons. And so maybe you're kind of like, Hey, I'm going to start with the table food, sort of baby led weaning, or maybe you're like, Hey, I'm going to puree, like whatever we're eating. But, you know, by the time they're one, they're kind of eating family foods and, you know, in their, when you think about it, like how many foods have they been exposed to by the time they're one, that's kind of where you're starting from. If they've only been exposed to 10 foods, then you know, the question is kind of like, it's not really relevant, but usually by the time kids are toddlers and they've, you know, they're, they're one, maybe they're one and a half, maybe even two, they've been exposed to a large number of foods, probably like most of what your family eats. And, um, when you're thinking about it, like, are they only eating five foods? Are they only eating 10 foods? It's not really an age appropriate question. It's more of like just a straight up number, Mm -hmm. right? Um, if you have a one-year-old who's only eating five foods, that is, that for me would be a red flag. Oh, okay. Um, so let's dig into that a little bit more. So why would that be a a red flag? So if a child is only eating five foods, that puts them at nutritional risk. Um, it doesn't mean they are 
malnourished if they're only eating five foods, but you have very few options for that child. So as humans, we tend to get tired of eating the same thing over and over. So let's say your child has five foods, um, apples, uh, bread, milk, um, crackers and dino nuggets. Like those are their, those are their foods. Those are their five foods as the only foods that they're going to eat. But then all of a sudden, what happens when dino nuggets go out of stock, right? What happens then? Or what happens when you have to go to an outing and they don't have milk or what happens if, you know, as a child gets older, what happens if they decide they don't like milk anymore because they drink it so much, right? So My oldest kid does not like white yeah, milk. Right. He'll drink vanilla almond milk, but milk's a thing. Right. But let's, you know, the smaller your number, the, um, the less typical it is. So that's one thing. It's like, it's not typical for a child to only eat five foods, um, or even just 20 foods. That's also not typical. Um, and so you're kind of like saying, okay, what's typical? What's not typical? What is putting them at risk? What is not putting them at risk? What has the potential to have a big social impact? What does not, how is the stress on your family? That's a big question for me. It's like, I don't care what you call whatever's going on in your family. You could say it's picky or stubborn or selective or who even knows what you want to call it does not matter to me. Um, but what does matter is how you are experiencing life day to day. Are you super stressed out? Because I don't want that for you. Right. And so how do you feel about when you're, and, and I was going to say, if you have the five foods and the dino nuggets, what if the kid doesn't want them anymore? And now you're down four, because sometimes they all of a sudden love stuff. And then they're like, Nope, don't want it. And so right. we're like, okay, we're going to regroup here. But how do you feel about sneaking foods in with, you know, a lot of like cauliflower in the mashed potatoes, or, I mean, it'll change the taste a little bit or those types of substitutions to sneak it or trick your kid. How do you feel about those? Because I remember being tricked when I was younger and my dad, uh, used to travel for work and he went ice fishing in Minnesota with some clients brought back, I guess, some rainbow trout didn't know, or it was in our freezer or whatever he cooked and he breaded them like chicken served mm -hmm. it to us like chicken. We ate it and it, I didn't mind it, but I was like, this tastes a little, this doesn't taste like chicken, but you're telling me it's chicken. And he's like, oh, it's the rainbow trout I brought. And I was like, I don't really know how I feel about that. Like, I like it, but I don't really know how I feel about you tricking me. So right. there's a delicate balance there. So what are you, what are your thoughts and about that? Yeah, I think it's a really risky thing to do. Um, especially if you have a pick eater, for example. Um, so we often have tacos and it, it's like some ground turkey into beans and things like that. Um, one of my kids really likes mushrooms and my picky eater does not along with me. That's not my favorite yet. Um, <laughs> and I, on tacos? I uh, that's interesting. Well, uh, it's two or different things, general. but I was like, Hey, we're, we have these extra, um, mushrooms. I'm going to dice them, stir fry them. Often people mix it in with like, ground beef or ground turkey. Cause it kind of has like a meaty flavor theoretically. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was like, Oh, I'll just put them in there. I wasn't intentionally trying to sneak anything in. I was just like, Oh, well, I want to, I don't want to waste the, this food. Um, we're sitting at the table. My picky eater takes a bite and he looks up at me and meets me like stares deep into my soul. And he's like, are these mushrooms? Oh gosh. I mean, it was like the betrayal, the betrayal on his face was like, I cannot believe, I cannot believe you would do this to me. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, it was so intense and he was so upset. And I could just see like, he refused to eat the meal understandably because he didn't know what it was. The worst thing is the next three times we had tacos. Oh no. Look at me and say, what is in here? And, and he so trust you. He didn't trust me. He didn't trust that it would be there. He like had this big trust thing, right? Because as a picky eater, you really rely on foods being reliable, <laughs> like you're right. predictable. You want to know what's coming. And when somebody like all of a sudden tricks you with a food that you didn't like, and they put that in a food you did like that can result very easily in a loss of foods, um, a loss of trust. trust. 
And also like you've increased their suspicion. So now they're going to be less likely to try more foods. Like Mm. if I wanted him to learn to like mushrooms, the worst thing I could have done is really hide it in his food, which again, wasn't intentional, but it set him way back. You were thinking of practical. Like, I don't want these to go waste. Let's just throw them in there. Right. But really to him, it was like, it was like a big, uh, uh, and it's the same with smoothies. Like, yeah, you might be able to sneak something in there. But imagine what's going to happen when your child finds out because really picky eaters are very discerning. They do. They know. And if you sprinkle that, you know, that rice cauliflower in with the white cheese in a quesadilla and you're like, oh, no way. Could they possibly tell? Like, no, now they won't eat the tortilla and they won't eat a quesadilla and, and they're suspicious and then they're not going to try cauliflower either. And so you just like lost on four different counts all because you really wanted them to eat like one teaspoon of cauliflower. To try something new, just to say, I told you, you like it. Which I totally understand. And obviously I've done it too. And I don't judge any parent for doing that, but that's also it's what we've been taught. I feel. Yeah. Right. I think that that's something like if you are going on the internet and scouring how to get your kid to eat healthier, most likely the top results are going to be sneak it in somehow, puree it, put it in. Mm-hmm. Like I call it, you know, if you're doing a smoothie, I put a lot of, uh, like I put collagen protein, uh, mm-hmm. collagen peptides in there. Cause they're, they don't taste like anything. And mm-hmm. if I need an extra boost of protein, if my kid is on a Mac and cheese bender, and I'm like, I feel like we need to get some protein. I'll scoop a, like probably a half a scoop in there and mix it. He can't tell he's seen me do it. He knows what it's for. And it's like, I'm just putting some protein and I'll even say like, if it tastes funny, just tell me. Cause maybe I put too much in and he's like, Oh, it tastes fine. Mm-hmm. So that's my way of supplementing. Well, yeah. In that case, you're doing it. You're including him in the process, right? right? Which is the different, which is the opposite of sneaking. Like it's one thing, like hidden foods can be known, right? So it could be hidden or it can be snuck in two different things. Um, you know, like your, maybe your child doesn't like spinach, but they'll help you make a green smoothie and they know they like the green smoothie, which you can't see or taste the spinach in it, but they know it's there. So you didn't sneak it in. They decided to eat it, even though they knew there was spinach in it. Cause it's not in the form that they don't want to eat it in, yeah, which yeah. spinach that I remember spinach being on my plate. And like, I think it was right after like kindergarten. I think it was like after school care and mm. it looked like a green toad on my plate <sighs> and I never tried it before. And I just looked at, I'm like, I still have the, the very vivid foot, like image of the plate. And I'm like, Nope, <laughs> Nope. And I don't eat. I will do it now as an adult, but I would not eat spinach in that form for the longest time. Cause it just such a great example. The way it laid on there. I was like, it looks like frog. No way. Yeah. And, and I've noticed like, I'll bring like juice land home and my, I, I'll bring home like the strawberry banana. Cause it's pretty popular, uh, you know, flavor for, for kids, but mm-hmm. I get like a Hawaii five, which is like, it's green, it's bright green. And I, as soon as I walk in the door, my five-year-old is like, give me that. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't eat a lot of vegetables, but he's like, give me that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I would rather you drink it. Cause I know it's good stuff. And he just, he knows. And the green doesn't bother him. Right. Which is great. Like, yeah. So I think every, I think every parent has, has dealt with the short order cooking or, mm-hmm. you know, how to sneak in vegetables, which you're saying, no, no. So tell us a little bit more about how you help and what kind of resources you, you guys offer. Cause it, it, there's, I mean, I do, but maybe the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> if you, if you do have a picky eater, like a child where you're like, eh, something's not right here and I need some help. We do have a picky eating course for that. And what's amazing about that is it's, it's not just like one of these courses that you take, it's actually community-based course. So yeah, there's the modules, but you also have access to our community where there's thousands of parents who are very active in there. They're so, and it's like a non-judgmental thing. Like, and we moderate it to make sure that it stays non-judgmental because, you know, parents need, they need to feel like they're a part of a group of people who are working on their children's eating. Yeah. So um, places. Right. Exactly. Like people are posting their wins and they're also posting their, oh my gosh, like 
I tried so hard for two weeks and nobody, you know, I'm still having this problem and somebody else jumps on. They're like, Hey, I was totally in your shoes. And now I'm two months out and we're doing so much better. So I think that's, um, I think that is what's so amazing about that. But we also have like, if you're like, no, nah, I don't have a picky eater, but also I'm really struggling at mealtime. I mean, we have that as well. And that's like our newer mini courses, which is where you see the parents in different colors. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're really funny. They're the funny thing. videos that are easy to watch and they're, they're not a big lift and they're really designed also to kind of get partners and caregivers on board too. So like, you know, maybe, maybe your partner won't take a class, but they will sit down for a half an hour and watch some funny videos. Um, so that's kind of what those are for. Uh, you know, we also do, you know, meal planning help and, and recipes, but I think the real key is like kids eating color is a resource for families. So if you're, if you're really struggling with child feeding, whether it's, you know, what do I feed my baby? What do I feed my toddler? What do I, so you have a weaning program too, that? which is great. Um, it's coming, it's coming. Oh, it's coming. And so, you know, all those, all those things together, it's like where, wherever you're at, we can help you. You need yeah, some no help with vitamin D, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. right. Home reader blog. Like we got so much stuff on there. Um, I like to think of us as the up and coming healthline of, uh, of child feeding, you know, we really specialize in child feeding, which is, which is wonderful. Cause we have nutritionists and specialists for us. Like if as adults, we're always trying to be healthy, work out mm -hmm. and we focus on our stuff and kids will watch what we do as well, which is a really important thing. If mm -hmm. you're picky, they may be picky. And so they watch everything. And so if you're willing to try it, even like if there's watermelon, I will swell it down yeah. if I have to, because they're watching me and I don't want them to right. think that it's gross just because I don't like it. So, you know, I'll take one for the team. It's fine. Right. It's just not my, not my jam, but it's something to keep in mind as well, where we need to also present that to them and know that we need to think about what they need to eat nutrition wise. And I like the weaning thing that you're, that no, no child is the same. We have, if you have multiple children, no child is the same. No pregnancy is the same. For sure. No, it's just, you just know. And then things evolve and develop as they get older. And then there's allergies and all the things. So yeah, just to be patient and be willing to just pivot and move and drive just like we do with life and business. Mm -hmm. And so I, I strongly recommend anyone going to your site and, and checking out. It's beautiful. It's colorful. It's very resourceful. Um, I do have one more question mm -hmm. and it's a selfish one. I would like to know, since I help business owners with Instagram and growing, you have what? 10.8 million followers. 1.8, 1.8 million followers. 1.8. I was like, I'm going to add a zero in there. Sure. I'll I like take to think it. <laughs> my show is that powerful where it's going to bring you another. So 1.8 million followers on, on Instagram. How did you get there? Is it because of all the, like, tell what's the secret? Yeah. So I think for me, the secret was, was really kind of listening very closely to my community. Right. So started, started with, you know, the 34 people that Instagram told me would follow me when I joined right. Instagram, right? <laughs> Recommended people. <laughs> and then they were all like, why are you posting pictures of lunchboxes all the time? Um, but, you know, I really focused on how can I help other parents? Cause that's what I was looking for. How do I relate to other parents? Um, I had no intention of quitting my job. I didn't even think that was a possibility. I had I had no ulterior motives, right? Um, really all I wanted was like, how do I find my people who are also struggling and um, just want to be kind of accepted for who they are and want, how can I help, right? And I think that was the basis of it. And so as my account slowly grew for like 18 months, um, you know, it was 18 months before I had 10,000 followers. And I thought that was amazing. I was like, but it was also taking an enormous amount of time. And it's so I was game. like, social media is a like, long game. Uh, yeah, it really is. And so I was like, well, I can quit this or I can kind of like change something. Um, and also and so serve changed, the 10,000 yeah. that, that are following. And I, right. And I wanted, but I wanted to like change the way that I kind of presented 
information and I went really hard into like educational content. Like how do I present difficult educational concepts in, in um, graphic form? And, and uh, people really like that a lot. <laughs> yeah. I always yeah. tell and teach that 70% should be valuable educational oh, where someone sure. learns and you teach them something. Cause that's yeah. what they want. They yeah. entertainment's great, but they yeah. want to learn. Right. People want to learn. People want to, and you know, I kind of poured my heart and soul into it, um, into the community. And it was not until a long, you know, later that I thought I can't, <laughs> I can't keep working full-time for free and also working full-time for, to pay the rent. My right. husband was a PhD student. So I was like, I was the person, you know, paying the rent. I mean, he had a stipend too, but, um, sure. it was the primary income earner. And so, um, for me, I had to like find that balance, but, um, I think, you know, I think there's also an element of like being in the right place at the right time and kind of getting good at what you do and what your niche is and not copying every single other person, you know, cause like you, you are you, um, and so if you're constantly trying to be the next person, um, you can learn from other people. And I've certainly kind of like taken what I've liked from what other people are doing and say, Hey, Hey, does that work for me or not? Um, but eventually you kind of have to like figure out who you are in that space and get good at what you do because, um, Instagram does reward people reward you for high quality time intensive content. Yeah. That's well, the more it's engaged yeah. with and likes and it, right. it, it expands it because it only goes to 10% and grows and grows and grows. Mm -hmm. So you have to make sure that the pieces of content that you're putting out, it's like, do they need this? Is this good enough? Because you don't just post to post. You want to post valuable because yeah. then it just becomes fluff. Right. And people don't want fluff. I don't want fluff. I, no. I mean, we all see fluff because people have tried different things and they're like, they fall flat. I mean, you have to I try my, you never know. my great share of posts that I haven't done well. Sure. Um, that's, that's part of the, the game of it, but I think ultimately it's what do I have to offer? How can I bring value to my people? Every single post. It's not like, how do I sell every single post? Sure. I'd never think of it like that. I mean, it'll come because like, they'll trust you. And they yeah. Like you and, and, and honestly, like, like if you're just like if you're just like a, a company trying to sell stuff in those companies don't get engagement on social media no. and I'm pretty sure they're not getting sales from it either. Um, but when you kind of take it, take an approach of like, Hey, this is the passion that I have. This is what I'm good at. This is what I have to offer my community. Um, this is how I can help. This is how I can answer their questions. This is how I can be a functioning member of society in this social media space. That's where you can say like, what do people want? It's like when I was, I was trying to quit my job and I had started the picky eater eating course, but like those sorts of things don't enable you to like quit your job after, you know, two months. Right. Right. <laughs> um, but it was in that moment where, where I just kind of thought if this is really going to help me, maybe it could help somebody else. And I would throw it out to the community and see what they say. And the poll was just like, out of this world, people wanted something like that. So I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll actually make this a product that I could sell because at the end of the day, I do have to feed my kids and my family sure. and pay the rent. Right. And so that was really where it was for me. It was like, okay, I'm only going to create things that are going to solve the problems for my people. And I'm not going to try to create other things to just sell to them. Um, because I don't sell out my people. Like, no, you want my community to is my them. community. I'm not going to like take on sponsorships that are like, I don't do my hair in my social media. Some people <laughs> do, and that's great. They could take on hair sponsorships. Right. But I don't, I'm not going to sell out my audience and their valuable time just so I can make a quick buck, you know, true to the brand and true to you yeah. and, and being real authentic because the yeah. best thing is, is you will, you do public speaking, you do, you're mm -hmm. seeing on television and, and and public platforms. And what you want is she's exactly what and who I thought she was and not, Oh, mm -hmm. not what I expected. Right. Exactly. You want to, I mean, and I think that's what feels good. I, you're always going to come across people on social media who <laughs> are total imposters and you can often just see it. Right. And eventually, like if you follow people long enough 
who they really are comes out and you're like, oh, you're actually a jerk. Right. <laughs> or I have a weird feeling about you, but now I know why. So this sort of thing, it does come out. And I think you have to think about it. Like, is that who I am? Like, am I the imposter person? I mean, there are those people out there. Or am I like the the authentic person and I'm kind of being true to myself? That's what kind of people are attracted to that. You have to feel, you have to find your people who you connect with. Um, it's social media. It's not like yeah. sales media, right? And like, it's, it's okay if they don't resonate with you because then that's not your person and that's okay. Right. And I might not be your cup of tea, but someone right, exactly. else is probably, there's someone else probably with a similar message, not the same, cause we're all different. So, you know, yeah. and you might not be mine either. It could just, it's okay. Exactly. I mean, it's fine. If you want, like, you know, there's so many different dietitians out there. If you want the swearing dietitian with like, um, a different color hair than me who lives in XYZ with only girls. Like you can find that person. That person is out there for you. Um, if you're like, no, I don't like the person with the crazy hair and two crazy boys who is wearing her shirt from the eighties that she got at the thrift store and also doesn't <laughs> swear. Like, um, at least not in public. Right. Um, right. It, like, I, I, I want that person or I don't want that person. Like that, you just have to find the people that you resonate with. Um, and it's the same from the other end. Like I want to find those people because those are the people I can talk to. Right. And I think that's great advice. And it was just, that was a selfish question on my end because it's <laughs> incredible. And because if it's, if it is truly authentic growth, that is not, does not come easy and it doesn't come tomorrow. So, oh, no. you know, no, it's no. a long game. It, social yeah. media is a long game. Not just because you post, it doesn't mean everyone's seeing it. You know, um, when I posted the sneak peek of this show, they were like, who is this? This looks good. Never heard of you before. Well, hopefully go listen and then follow. Some were like, I can't wait. This is awesome. I've been following her for years. So it, you just never know who's going to pick up what and also when they find you, they might not have needed you two years ago, but they right. need you now Exactly. or they exactly. don't need you anymore. Right. Or they're going to need me later. So I have a, <laughs> a, um, a very dedicated following of women who are kind of coming out of diet culture, like younger women who are coming out of diet culture. They want to prevent eating disorders in their own children. And they want to learn how to talk to they want to learn how to have a non-judgmental view of food and they want to know how to talk to their kids in non-judgmental ways. They want to do it differently. And so they will often say things like, I don't have kids yet. And so I think of them as like pre-moms because they want to have kids and that's their plan. And they like to plan. They're, pre- and they're trying to right, they're when planners. They, pre- you can't, you can right, pre-mom you planners and, and they're part of the community too. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen or whether they will change their mind, but they want to be a part of that. Um, and so you never know like what your community is going to look like and who's really going to resonate with your message. And they have friends and they come across and they could see, well, my kid's doing well, you should go and check this out because Mm-hmm. It seems helpful. I don't have kids, but I think this could be helpful. And yes. so it's just a, a word of mouth type thing. And the I think aunties, that, the, yeah. um, the grandmas, all those people, like you just never know. I, I always say like kids eating color has kind of like grown at the playground, right? Yeah. Because parents help other parents. If something helps you, you're going to tell somebody else about it. I do. Like if I, you know, why not somebody, why right. make it harder? Right. And you know, parenting is hard. So you're at the playground and you're watching your child, you're chasing your toddler around. And somebody's like, oh my gosh, I watched this toothbrushing video on kids in color. You have to go see it. I mean, um, it's so interesting how information spreads. Um, but I think if you do want to have a presence on social media, that is, you know, kind of deep and meaningful and, you know, goes beyond your hundred friends, like you have to, you have to have something valuable to offer. You can't just like expect people to, you know, be friends yeah. with you just because. because you're awesome. I mean, maybe you are <laughs> awesome and maybe you're like bound to be that influencer who's just the person influencer. Um, 
I'm never going to be that person. Like I, you're never going to see me modeling jeans or something, <laughs> but like um, my mom jeans is what I wore today. Is this, is this poop or chocolate? Let's take yeah, a poll. exactly. Right. I mean, that's my outfit. So, um, I, I think you're probably not going to be that person. I mean, if you are awesome, but you're probably not in which case you have to provide value to people. Um, well, we know that you are extremely valuable and you teach quite a bit and it, it's a, it's a struggle for almost probably every mom. Mm-hmm. You're very blessed if you have it, but most likely most moms have. And so thank you for being here and, and taking the time. And I was extremely excited to have you here. And, uh, I strongly encourage everyone to go check you out on social and your website. And, um, can you drop your handles and all the things here so they can, it'll be in the show notes. Yeah. It's listeners. all kids in color. Yeah. Oh, Google it. it, put it, put it into love whatever, it. uh, face, whatever social media you're on, you'll find us across all platforms. Yeah. And, uh, check out all of her courses and her free, uh, she's got lots of free resources and it's, it's great. I mean, I, I took the quiz. It was, it was very telling. There was questions that were like, Oh, I don't know. So it just brings a lot of things out of the box. And, um, I really strongly encourage everyone to go and check you out and thank you so much for being here, Jennifer. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Yeah, of course. And thank you so much for listening to another episode of the chaos cookies podcast. We will catch you on the next one. Thank you for listening to the chaos and cookies podcast. If you want more goodies and friends to share them with, follow the crumbs to the Facebook group or visit the Chaos and Cookies website to grab my sweet secrets on how to calm your cookies. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. See y'all next week for another episode of Chaos and Cookies.